you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Hello, Seattle. This is it. One last show, we never play again. This is it. This is it. At least for quite a while. But uh, it's good to end it here. And uh, already you're better than last night. So. Uh, and away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring. Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the jump. Mr. Boom Gasper! You can call me Al, you can call me Ed, you just, just fucking call me, why don't you? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. My name is John Farrar. You may be used to hearing my voice this early in the show now. Uh, Randy has been on vacation for a few weeks, and I want to thank uh, all the people that have come on the show and helped out. I want to thank Brandon Palomo from the Better Band podcast, uh, former co-host of the show, Matt Helbig, who came on and helped out, uh, Anthony uh, Chrisowitz and Matt Behan, who came on and helped out, Anthony from Touring Fan Live. Uh, I want to thank Patrick Bogle and Danny King came on and helped me out. And then last week, if you guys uh, listened, we had Jason and Paul from the State of Love and Trust podcast on. And this week, uh, I have yet another different co-host. Uh, let me look and see who got here. It's Randy Sobel. Randy, how are you really, doing tonight? I don't really appreciate the fact that you said that I was on vacation because I most certainly was not on vacation, <laughs> sir. <laughs> To, I, us I it, to us, it felt like a vacation. To you, I'm sure it didn't. <laughs> was, is, is that the case? Is, was it a vacation for everybody? Now everybody has to go back to school because because I'm I'm in the house. Now you gotta you gotta pay attention again. You gotta focus again. You gotta focus up because we got an important episode today. Is that how this is gonna go? We'll We're see. Off to a great start. We'll see. Well, do you want some shtick? Should I do let's, it? Let's do it. All right. Hey, everybody. Now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. And yes, I'm back after a five week vacation, I suppose. It wasn't much of a vacation for me. It was pretty much life altering situation that I was in becoming a parent for the first time to a beautiful baby boy named Benjamin. And um, I want to just take a second and thank every single person that has reached out since the day he was born. And by golly, there are so many of you that were so kind enough to to do so. And like, it's just incredible that people 
care that much. I like getting that response and getting and feeling the love from everybody is just like it, it, it really spoke to, to both me and Jillian and having him in our, in our lives has, has been a total joy and, um, and having everybody come in and celebrate and wanting to, to learn more and wanting to see photos is, is just the greatest thing in the world. So specific thanks I want to put out to, um, to Anthony from touring fan, uh, black circle and the guys over at uh, Sounds of Seattle, Marty and and uh, and Colin over there in Scotland, uh, all all those guys posted on their own groups to congratulate me. And and again, like not something I would ever expect in the world, but means the absolute world to me because this 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 fan base kind of brings in a different sort of friendship. Uh, that, you know, it's not it's not just like your everyday average friends. These are these are kind of kind of good life friends here that you have that you can bond through this wonderful band that we seem to be talking about for 140 some odd episodes now so uh hey you know vacation or no vacation i, I haven't really talked about pearl jam in, in five weeks i i gotta i went to the bullpen warmed up my arm a little bit well you know kind of did some some uh, mouth uh exercises and i think i'm ready to podcast now all right well everybody wants to know what is ben's favorite pearl jam song Okay, What's he that's, reacting to the the most so far. That's a great question because yesterday, matter of fact, yesterday, I would I would say like the first two weeks in, I was trying to you know get him to calm down, and I would sing to him, and I would f- just figure out songs to sing, and and uh, there would be a dad playlist that I would play for him, and it would have a ton of different songs, like from sappy stuff you know to stuff that i remember my dad playing for me when i was a kid to you know stuff that i want to bring over for him uh but the one that just stuck around and it didn't just stick around this song gets him to stop crying like he recognizes it and he's comforted by it elderly woman oh okay good choice yeah I, I I was so like I figured it out yesterday morning. I, we were watching. I had some live show because I, I wake up at like five thirty in the morning and I do the morning shift and and take care of them. And I just kind of put on whatever shows in the background and just kind of fill my day. And uh, elderly woman came on and I, he was kind of you know fussing a little bit and and I was rocking him and and singing it and he just stops and looks at me like oh okay I know this one cool I'll sing along. It's that it's that. Walt's time signature, that three, four, six, Absol- eight. Absolutely. Time signature that does it, yeah. Absolutely. And we start the one, two, three, four, two, three, and, and I think it's recognizable for him. The one that I kind of wanted to equate to him, and I've been playing for him a lot, is uh, Given a Fly, because I like the lyrics and the connection to the lyrics. And you kind of, you know, you, you make a human being, and a human being, like, he's... You know, he could do anything. He is like, it's a fresh slate for him. For a lot of us, we don't have a fresh, clean slate in this life where we can go back and, and change things. But he's starting brand new. He's he's free to fly. He can be whoever he wants to be. He can just, the sky is the limit for him. So I, I keep thinking Given a Fly is, uh, is, is his him and I's song. But I mean, Elderly Woman is making making a great case right now. So but definitely been a lot of Pearl Jam going on in uh, our listening rotation. Pearl Jam and Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's great, man. Well, we we are definitely glad to have you back. It's going to be good to get back in the rhythm, and uh, we've got a good one today to do just that, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just want to throw this out there for anybody that hasn't seen the leaks, I suppose. Um, our, our next five weeks are absolutely stacked, and today is a good leadoff hitter for our just cleanup hitter lineup here. Um, and it's Seattle, night two, 2000. Oh boy, what a doozy of a show. Um, I mean, is this not one of the most important shows in their catalog? Oh, absolutely. When you think of just stuff that has impacted where the band stands and eras, when you think of certain eras and how eras have impacted them. And look, I I think that the biggest thing in this is obvious is very obviously Denmark and Roskilde. And that was a cloud that hung over this entire North American tour, 47 some odd dates, a long, long stretch. And, you know, there were, there were obviously moments very early on coming from Virginia beach up into Jones beach to all around the East coast where you could tell they weren't quite comfortable. They didn't know how to approach this again. And this is a band that has been through everything you would think. And they were in a way finding a way to get through, but still uncomfortable and still being way too soon. I mean, Roskill happened on June 30th and they're back touring on August 3rd. That's, that's absurd. And that is not enough time to grieve. That's basically enough time to, to get home from, from Europe and like just sit in your room and, and like try to try to make sense of what, what all happened. That that's all you can do. And then all of a sudden it's not even the third, you really got to be out there earlier than that. Cause you got to do some rehearsals and sound checks and things like that. So it's, it's maybe less than a month that they have to go back and do this on tour and not, and, and you have to think too, being in Denmark, they, they, there was some controversy there that I think that they had to be around for. So, you know, with, with, you know, the, the, the festival saying that they were responsible for the deaths lawsuits and all of that. Yeah. There's a lot of things weighing on them. And I don't think anybody would have put it past them if they would have just, walked out and canceled this tour that oh, yeah that yeah. would have made total sense that would have been fine would it have been the end of pearl jam well maybe maybe that storyline can come into play somewhere in this show if this show doesn't go off like it does that that they're not a band anymore i six months to a year later yes and you can feel from the beginning that there's hesitation that there's uncertainty that they don't know that answer. Ed even says it at one point. He's like, Hey, we're here, but we're not sure if we'll be back, if we're back next year or ever. Like it it's not kind of computing with them yet. They need that year. And really it's a year because they they came back at, at the oh one bridge school show, but it's really two years. Right act comes out in November of oh two. And then they start kind of doing the show box shows and they're off doing uh japan and and australia it's really a two full years that they come back to being the band that they were and i shouldn't even say that because they're a completely different band 
when they return. This is the end of an era, the beginning of a new era as well. And uh, it's, it's so vitally important because it's just the emotion that you can just you can feel from coming from Ed's voice. You can feel the, like I said, the hesitation from some of the band members playing some of these songs. And I think it's just one of their most vulnerable performances because of that. And, and, and it's, it's masterful because it has that identity. Yeah. There's a moment in the, in the PJ 20 movie when Cameron Crowe is talking to Ed and he says, you know, how did the second 10 years happen? And it's, you, Ed doesn't even, it's like a nonverbal response. It's just like, he just kind of puts his head down and you see like, and that's when they lead into kind of the Ross killed stuff in the, in the documentary. But this show, the Vegas show, Virginia beach, like there are so many of the, these, these moments on this tour that helped them build. Like, you know, you, you go back to that Virginia beach show and we'll, we'll cover it at some point, but before the band even plays a note, like there's that crowd just gives them the hugest ovation. Like, yes, we're like we're here with you. And you can tell that definitely like boys them, boys them up. Like, okay, we're, we're here with this crowd. And this is, this is the, the back end of that. Like this crowd in Seattle, this hometown crowd, all the friends are there, all the, the friends from the bands. And yeah, it's, they needed, they needed this to say, okay, you know, the next 10 years, maybe that can happen. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of this tour, they got by with a, a little help from their friends. And in a lot of instances, those friends were Sonic youth very early on in this tour. I think Ed even mentions it at shows like, Hey, we, we relied yeah. on, on those guys a lot. And yeah, when you see who been around you, for 16, 17 years at that point. Right. Right. And, and not only that, like they're, they're obviously just I say a lot of people have different opinions of Sonic youth, but they are in their own sense, very legendary. Uh, mm, and sure. think about who opened the show. Exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say good friends, from the very, very beginning are basically returning Pearl Jam the favor from 1991. You have to think of where the two bands are at this point. Red Hot Chili Peppers, this is a year after Californication comes out. They are pretty massive. Like, they had gotten to the point. Like, I think oh, this... Bigger than Pearl Jam, for sure. Oh, yeah. Pearl Jam's not even in the conversation yeah. anymore. Red Hot Chili Peppers were... And I watched the the... Uh, Woodstock documentary that came out that 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 was fantastic. Red Hot Chili Peppers were in that circuit of bands. They they were kind of when when people were saying, "Hey, what bands are you listening to?" It's like, oh, a little Red Hot Chili Peppers, Corn, Metallica. Pearl Jam wasn't involved in any of that. So, but to know that Red Hot Chili Peppers came up to do this show, to do I think like twelve songs in an opener spot, uh, kind of off the cuff especially you know it being sort of a, a benefit show for seattle uh uh contributing to a lot of seattle organizations which which shouldn't be discredited because this is obviously a hometown series show and one of the big things about a lot of the seattle shows that they were doing around this point i i think 98 was one of them too when you guys did 98 a month ago yep. that they were all benefits for local organizations in seattle and obviously we've seen it come all up until the last shows that they've had in Seattle at Safeco when they raised $8 million for, for homelessness, fighting homelessness in Seattle. So that's been a huge theme for them and a huge uh, and, and important 
uh, matter that they've always took care of, and uh, it, it goes in with the story. So, look, I, I, there's a lot to talk about, and we already talked about much of it. Uh, is there anything else that you want to add to sort of the beginning stages of this? Like, set the table? Have we set the table enough? Oh, did you did you look at the chili pepper set list? I did. Yeah, I wasn't very impressed. <laughs> they did. Uh, they opened up with a Ramones cover. Yeah, they did two Circle Jerks covers, like a Frusciante solo. Interesting. Song, like. They always very, do a Frusciante show yeah, solo. Very, very strange. But yeah, this one, I, I remember when uh, when the bootlegs, the, the CDs came out, the European shows, this was one of the ones that I definitely jumped on and got. Like, I, I got the CD. It's one of the eight-man shows. And I, I got the CD right away. So I've had this thing for 20 years now. And I just looking at the set list, you're like, yeah, this is one of the ones that you have to have. I think the big selling point on this would be that out of all of the U.S. tours, this is the only time that you get the one song, right? And I think, and I'll track back to to 2000, year 2000, 2001 John here, but is that John, like, how the hell did they get through Alive? Yeah, I just remember, because I, you know, being on the forums and seeing everything and knowing that they weren't playing it. I remember like, you know, you're, you're following along and you're like, Oh my God, like they actually played it. Like I, I cannot wait to hear that. Like what, that must've been like just insane. And it, it lives up to it. Well, that'll be a conversation when we get yeah. to it, but we, uh, it let's, I mean, we got to let the show begin here because how else are you going to do this? The night prior, this is a two-night, two-parter in Seattle. The night prior opens up with Long Road. There's only one other choice that you can even possibly open up with at this show, and that is, of course, release. And they are greeted to a warm reception from the crowd, which was apparently not very good on the first night. That That's another Seattle theme that we've noticed. I think you guys talked about it in 98 as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you just kind of hear... That that little pluck of the drone on Stone's guitar, and you know the therapeutic trap comes in, and there's some hesitancy on Stone's side, and it kind of makes it special in a way because you're hearing Stone and you're hearing a very very light mat, and it is easing into this very slowly. You also don't really hear Mike until the very very end, which I think is either accidental or a statement on purpose and i'm not sure which but this is kind of definitive of what was going through their head at the time what the show would ultimately become because there's a lot of these songs where it's like get through it get through it and like they're locked in they're honed in on it where they don't have to utilize like a crazy amount of energy that they would, you know, in, in later shows in, in 2003 where Ed's running around and saying, like, there's none of that here. I don't think there's any other choice here. Yeah, it's very deliberate. It sounds very, like, you you might say slow in the beginning, the, the pace-wise, but I think it's, it's just, like you said, it's Stone being very deliberate with it and being, I wouldn't say tentative, but almost like, just taking his time, making sure that it that it does the job, and making sure that it gets where it needs to go. Like he he gets into a groove on, it and he's just effortlessly just riding along on this thing. And like I said, the guitars completely drop out 
for a minute for the second verse before everything comes back in and it kind of makes it the impact a little better i don't i can't remember another time that i've heard it do that i'm um, not often yeah but it, the the impact of it is is really good like i said when, when mike comes in and yeah i thought this really yeah, just much much needed and you know it, it, it couldn't be anything else I kind of alluded to it before, but um, the vulnerability that comes from Ed's voice, I, I think this is vocally one of Ed's strongest shows. And it might not seem it because when you think of strong Ed shows, you think of like him being enthusiastic and, you know, kind of uh, doing some crowd call and responses and things like that. But there's none of that at this show. It's very pure. It's very, I don't want to say by the book because by the book isn't it. It's it's very from the heart. It's very soulful. I think I used this word a, a whole lot when I was doing my notes for this. Just just digging deep into his soul and seeing what's there, letting his emotion manifest, build, create something. The big outburst when you hear his voice crack and release. That's what that's what they came here to see. That's what the band ultimately gunning for it of sure but like the goal here is to just just get all that emotion off the table just let it go air out all the grievances and uh well in some cases literally uh and just just do it just get through and have it be a therapeutic moment grievance comes after corduroy um it's just more honed in ed and great vocal performances just locked in no nonsense not not doing anything silly not doing any of the you know uh changing the lyrics or anything like that except for one which is very important that was the first one don't know if when it the was first not. one was yeah, it was not. i'm sure virginia beach was probably one of the first uh, yeah. you know that they but, became commonplace after that. absolutely absolutely and there are a couple other things that you can say from the show that you know you can notice and remember them doing specifically from the show that became commonplace and that would be that would be one of them but i, I like that's a statement right there and i mean how can you disagree with him? Yeah. 
and the and instead like Mike doesn't really get a chance to let loose on release, but the solo in Corduroy is just just rips like Mike has let out a shot out of a cannon on that thing. Sounds really, really good. And then the grievance follow-up, again, fantastic. You know, releasing Corduroy, you're getting two hits early and then it, they couldn't have picked a better better one off of Binaral to, to pick in or come in early here after Corduroy. Sounds really good. Yeah, and grievance is worth a note because a lot yep. and most times in on the binaural tour they were utilizing it in the three or even sometimes the two spot once riot act comes along it doesn't go away from the early section but it kind of finds its way further down the set list within like the 15 16 song area to kind of build back into the end of the set instead of start the set which is is very interesting kind of you can depict eras based off of some songs and where they're played and how they're played and uh i I just love all three guitars just bouncing off each other so well in 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 grievance Uh, ed's vocals mixed in with everything is fantastic Uh, it's a great way to start off the show and now here is a big surprise because obviously this song isn't utilized very often in, in this spot. You would usually wait for it at the end of an encore or the end of a main set to close out a big portion of your show. But right off the gate, Rear View Mirror. theory for why they did it here why this is the fourth song in but i want to i want to see if 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 you're on the same page as i am what do you think yeah i think it's just wanting to get some kind of the pent-up tension out just like with release it's another way to just hit it from the beginning and like we don't want to do like they don't want to do a big long kind of spacey jam on it this one's kind of quick in and out it explodes back in. I, I think it's just, it kind of like is a throwback to some of the earlier kind of verses tour. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on all that. I think there's one thing that, that is can be added to that, and that's, you know, the, the, the fact that they weren't really appreciative of the crowd the night before. Mixing it up and not getting like an animal or a hell hell in a normal spot like this and putting a song that you wouldn't expect just to completely change the game and completely like that 
the crowd is now in a different mentality because a lot of people were there for both nights and are just like, okay, this is standard affair, corduroy grievance, hell, hell, what, you know, what have you. They get rear view mirror here. They're like, whoa, okay, this is going to be a show to remember. That separates the two. You don't do this on a show that's a throwaway show. You do this on a night that you want to be remembered forever. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that, that sucks in the crowd right away. And look at it too, you get you open with a ten song, Vitalogy, Binaural, Versus, and then no code next. So right. mixing it up just like they always do. You're right. And uh, you were you were on the money with the the performance of the song, not much in the bridge. They kept it real tight, but uh, great performance. Matt Matt and Jeff playing off each other perfectly. Stone's backup's fantastic at it. Yeah, ending it's in, so fast, like it's almost faster right, than they've ever done it. Yeah, yeah, and ah, what what's that quote again? Jesus, I haven't been on this show for a long time, so I can't remember some of the things that we say sometimes. Is it like Rear Mirror is just okay? Is that what we say? I think it, it's hit or miss. Okay, all right. Well, uh, that's that's like a, a, a C average Rearview Mirror right there. No, Rearview Mirror, there's never a bad version of Rearview Mirror. In fucking Shout minutes. out to C average. Good band. <laughs> like that. Like yeah, that. Didn't, didn't mean to do that, but worked yeah. out pretty well. Uh, all right, so you're, you're thrown for a curveball here, and now you're going to get back into some of the the early to ease ease you into the mid set kind of songs that that feel a little bit more appropriate. And that's Hail Hail, Evacuation, Dissident, all kind of in a row here. And they let the crowd react a little bit before going into Hail Hail, and I think that also brings a little bit more weight into how important the rear view mirror performance was. Yeah. There's, you would think that would be a moment to kind of like pause and be like, Hey, you know, we're going to talk and like do a thing. Cause that was, we need a, a minute after that, but yeah, it's just, just like, just take a breath and then, and back into soaking it. in. Yeah. yeah. Right. Soaking in. And you're right. I don't think there's anything to say at that point. I think it's just, you got three songs that place really, really well and sound really really well uh for i mean obviously i'm not gonna ever say a bad thing about the song called hail hail like it's it's a top 10 favorite and uh this version is is a very very above average great version uh but a song like evacuation that doesn't impress me much live a song like dissonant that i'm on the the lesser scale uh, you know, every, anytime I hear it, I'm, I'm very usually very diplomatic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know there are dissident fans out there. There, there are certainly dissident fans out there. But I don't hate the song. I just I think that some of the performances can be uninspired a little bit. And I thought that all three of these were just money. They were on their game for every single one of these performances. You can go to Evacuation. You can say like those three bridges. We talk about the three bridges in that song a lot, and how difficult it is to get through it oh i think they nailed it i really think they nailed that song and then even dissident the the one thing that gets me on dissident is ed just kind of dropping the song and i don't want to say making a joke of it and i'm not talking about this version i'm talking about like more modern day versions and going into the escape is never the safest way like that kind of thing there's none of that here everything hits its mark it's the dissonant uh, you know that you get on the album without trying to exhaust his entire vocal cord range yeah this might be the best live evacuation ever written 
sounds really good. Jumps out of the speakers, they nail all the, the transitions. In the video, there's, they show a, a row of people up on the crowd who are just freaking out at this song. And like everyone around them is kind of like just standing there like, okay. Cool. There's like, there's like <laughs> six or seven, eight people that are just like, yes, they're like, <laughs> they're, they're having a moment to evacuation. I thought that was really funny. Like those but, are people that were following them around all tour. They're like, oh, that's the one, that's the last one we need off the record. Yeah, and that's the, the Cameron family. They're like, they're playing the one that he wrote. Good job. <laughs> um, and uh, and Dissonant too. Like the, the bridge in Dissonant is fantastic. Like a really good moment. Really, yeah, jumped out as being really, really good. And these are, you know, two songs like you that I that I don't normally, you know, make a point of, of accenting. But on this, this show, it sounded very, very good. I think another real quick point on Dissident, Mike's guitar tone usually gets very screechy and it just kind of, it just wails a little bit too much, but it had a very, a very soft tone to it. It just kind of was a lot more palatable. It was, it was just, it, it was warm, it was warm feeling. And less I don't bluesy, know if that makes less sense. like, less Thursday yeah. night bar and grill. Exactly. Exactly. It just, it, 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 it was perfect balance. It was balanced. Mm. That's what the song needs to be. And it, it, it was fantastic. And uh, of course, Hell Hell just kind of sees the, the latter end of this here. But like, there's a great line change. I don't want to fuck. I want to feel yeah. like they're yeah. great. Like Hell Hell, just another ripper fast. And he's singing explosive. to the back too. Like he turns around and yeah. back on the You're right. You're right. We've so talked about that a lot over the last couple of weeks too. Sure. Sure have. So now you get the time. It's time to address things. It's time to settle in and uh ed kind of says ask ask how's it how's it going and and says well seattle this is it one last show and we'll never play again now a lot of people are probably like oh really like don't don't mess around because that's not necessarily a joke right now whether it was or whether it wasn't i like that's a real conversation that you could have had at the time Oh yeah, but but said this is it for quite a while. So it's good to end here. You're already better than last night. Want to remind security here who don't have much to do because everybody's minding their own business to stop poking people on the shoulder. Everyone is fine the way they are. Just enjoy it. This next song is called "Nothing As It Seems." Nothing as it seems and in hiding. I uh, hate to package two songs together here that were fantastic in the show, but uh, um, they were fantastic in the show. Uh, this. Mike's guitar is a is another vocal. That's as great of a compliment as I can give you on this. Um, the little backing vocal, like the the faded chords that are sort of playing off of where Ed is singing in the verse run a little bit. Like I don't know if I don't notice that usually, or I'm just kind of like immune to it. But in this, he kind of creeps in, and this just feels like an extra added layer to what the rest of the band is, is doing and maybe on a different plane than what the rest of the band is doing obviously too but it just the mood setter like powerful powerful song mike going off and even maybe not giving you his like eddie van halen type soul but he's giving you something soulful like we talk about with stuff like immortality when those songs have some heart to it that's what this was right yeah absolutely it's it's in that vein of like black and immortality and, and things like that. But I think this is the first one at the show too that's that's on the touring band 2000 DVD if I'm not mistaken. So you guys can can pull that out and go check this out. But this tour, they played it almost every show and it's a highlight at almost every show. 
like it's here in the in the even flow spot and we do get even flow later but the you know this is this is serving that purpose where mike's gonna get his moment and we're we're just gonna everybody's just gonna stand in awe and watch and, and what he can do but yeah in hiding to follow the the only yield song of the night in hiding is kind of an unsung highlight of this show it's very good in in hiding when you kind of wait for those moments that he just lets his voice just go in this it's like it's almost effortless he just lets it rip and he doesn't even have to try and you can see from his face that it means the whole entire world you can feel from his emotion that how much it means to him to, to be singing a song like this in front of that crowd you get that, that the line change that's important it's it's been about three months now mm-hmm. uh it's such a perfect metaphor what the show ultimately was the tour itself was very guarded you know they didn't have to make much mention of anything but you knew that they were going through shit so saying about three months now you know exactly what they're talking about throwing all those things in together i think there was a very very underratedly good performance of of in hiding i you know a lot of people talk about different versions of in hiding i don't hear them talk about this as much this is a very kind of introspective set list so far like not a lot of really you know you don't get a small town where it's a big crowd moment you don't get an animal that's a big crowd moment um you know it's i think that's done very much on purpose to like let's let's just do you know and corduroy kind of is but it it's the it's the absolutely everything's changed you know and and i think that's that's done on purpose to kind of get them through like let's let's not open ourselves up like you said guarded tentative let's not open ourselves up until we see how this is going to go with the reaction from the crowd is it going to be better from the night before and i think here and after this set then they things finally start to open up a little bit because you do get something a little a little more it gets a little bit more relaxed after this but yeah the first half of this this set it's it's a short main set and the first half of that i think is very very you know introspective and not a lot of big huge moments but some good performances all all up and down yeah i I think i think it's better to say that the first half was in itself as as a whole more important than uh the individual songs itself there are parts and individual songs that you could take from this and and say okay that makes sense why they did that okay why they sung it that way why they played it this way yeah all that is put together and makes sense but uh you're right you're you're right on the money it's the theme it's the theme of this night and it's starting out the right way uh and then you know, you get into a, a tour staple from 2000. The the Man trilogy comes in starting with leather, middle with better, ending with nothing. This is a highlight. This is the, all the all three of these songs are a highlight to me. Even even Leather Man that I usually don't go out of my way to to appreciate enough, um, which could be hint hint song appreciation. But there's so many that we can really do for this night that. Uh, it's it's yeah. hard to kind of pin pin one but um i think if you don't have 
the better man and nothing man attached to leather man, leather man might lose a little bit of an identity here, but because it is the trio, it works so well together. And, and the way that the trio was put together, getting your, your most energetic one into your mid tempo or more emotional and then nothing, man, you're sing along to kind of end it. And then, uh, divert into the to the even flow section. I thought that that was spaced out perfectly. Better Man and Nothing Man might be two of the best performances from the show. Yeah, giving putting Better Man in the middle to kind of give it the the highlighted point there. And there's a really good speech before Better Man as well. Mm-hmm. And there's an important thing that I that I always remember from this where he kind of just throws it away right before he's like, "It's just been the craziest life." Like <laughs> that's so telling. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Craziest life we've ever lived. Uh, yeah. He kind of even before Better Man, he, he said, I, I wrote the song sitting sitting on my bed when I was a little bit shorter a long, long time ago. We talked about that last week when in L.A. he said the same right. thing, you know, sitting on the edge of the bed just uh, about an hour and a half south of here. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And uh, and even you got to mention here the the crowd is in love with Jeff Ament. That you said that that was the Matt Car- Matt Cameron crowd over there. That yeah, might yeah. be the Jeff the Jeff Abed family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ed, Ed and Jeff have a little bit of a chuckle that kind of breaks up a little bit of the the hesitancy and intention that that's on stage, and they get a little bit of a lighthearted moment, which which was nice to have. But another just vulnerable performance of Ed that just isolates his vocals and seeps into his soul. Unbelievable, and a lot of these performances from the show, like I, I mentioned earlier, they're just so pure to their original studio counterparts in their presence. It's so simplistic yet locked in, and when Ed does that little improving part at the end, it's just—it's it, straight from his book. You know, that's that's the kind of thing he's not going to bring back ever again. But he knows exactly what he's going to do for that moment. He wrote it exactly for that. I like all the credit in the world the best band on the planet kind of shit right there yeah very good and like i said giving giving better man the middle slot leaves nothing man to finish it off and yeah i mean not many songs can follow a better man but nothing man is one that that can follow up almost anything and keep it keep it going like just a, a fantastic moment yeah, you're sort you're sort of um kind of taking all that energy that you had from Better Man that maybe gets like pent up a little bit and builds and Nothing Man I think is the release of that energy. And from Nothing Man into Even Flow kind of feels like 
even going back to some of the the early set stuff that film introspective i think nothing man is where the set breaks and after after that everybody's like feeling really good about things and it and it can erupt finally and it can feel like a big second there's there's a song immediately coming up that i read some reviews about this crowd was just insane uh, but like nothing, man. I, I, I have to bring this up because when you think of 2000, one of the 2000 storylines that we don't talk about very often because it's really none of our business is the uh, the divorce between Ed and Beth. And a song like Nothing Man probably speaks to what was going on at the time. They got divorced in 2000, and to have that looming over your head while in the middle of the Roskill tragedy, what, like, where do you stand? Like, you have to be thinking to yourself, how old are they? They're like early 30s, mid 30s at that point. Have to be thinking to ourselves, where, where do, what is, what is the rest of our life here? What are we doing right now? Especially Ed, that might be going through some kind of midlife sort of crisis. Who, who knows? I don't like speculating about that stuff. It's tough, I, and I, I yeah. don't bring it up often, but that's a storyline that, that not enough people talk about when talking about 2000, because it was happening, for sure. There are songs that will come later that might have similar kind of connotations. We'll bring it up when they do, but um, uh, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. It's a very soulful song, and the way that Ed was, was, was feeling it was... Uh, was different than than he usually does with with normal versions. Well, he he was actually digging into something with this that uh, that didn't make it a sing along. That just just made it just straight from straight from the soul, straight from the gut. All right, uh, even flow, Jeremy, the two hits, but even flow is the one that you want to talk about, I believe, right? Jeremy, it is Jeremy. All right, well let's yeah. let's just mention an even flow real quick. That Ed really is uh, kind of sick of, of playing even flow at this point, wouldn't you believe? I don't think even flow is in its prime at the spot uh, in, in 2000. They were doing it every night and there was probably definitely some fatigue coming from it. 2003, I think, would be a, a revitalization of the song where like Mike was just, okay, let's turn this up way up and start to feel it again. And that's when in 2003, where, where Ed is just like, that's Mike McCready and that's Matt Cameron and I'm fucking beside myself. And uh, like I, I, these versions of even flow while, while good, don't necessarily have that same flavor. However, yeah. Jeremy, I, I'm, I'm interested in what you got to say about Jeremy, though. Well, well first I'll say, too, at Evenflow, like, they were doing nothing as it seems almost every night, so that's, like, the new... That's, like, Spot. the new, Yeah, that's the new, like, fancy one that he wants to, like, focus and spotlight, so, yeah, Evenflow's gonna kind of be on the, on the back burner, but, you know, in 2003, obviously they're not doing nothing as it seems almost every night. they got another new record to play, so... Even flow kind of comes back. Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, Jeremy, from what I, some of the reviews that I went and read, um, you could see everyone in this crowd up to like standing room only, up to the very back, just going nuts and, and moving around and dancing. And you can see like the, the reaction from the crowd up front is very good. 
and obviously it's a song that, that everybody knows and it's you know it gets a good reaction but this one especially i think definitely loosened up the mood a little bit like for them to see that this crowd is is good it's not going to be a little it's not going to be passive like the night before like definitely let them into let them relax a little bit and, and kind of turn things around so yeah this and, and again very very good crowd absolutely going nuts good performance you know another song that we a lot of times we just kind of gloss over like oh jeremy you know it is what it is but again i think this one deserves a little bit more than that very very good very important for the show yeah I, th- I think so too and especially like you said before a lot of those songs in the beginning were were sort of getting through something and even flow jeremy then luke and not for you are just songs that you could just enjoy just 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 get the energy back and just celebrate just be part of the celebration because a lot of a lot of the show is celebration too i think that kind of gets lost when you think about it is that it's sort of like cheers to to the next phase cheers to the next era to the next thing and sort of leaving all of what was in the past in the past they don't ever have to play the 2000 tour ever again they can leave those feelings back in those states back in those days than they did and they never have to do it again i think that's part of that like having those kind of moments the the jeremy moments where everybody's jumping up and down and luke and not for you crazy passionate too like i you know that's the kind of stuff that's worth mentioning here it's not every single one of these songs is is like opening opening you know the heart and and seeing into somebody's soul sometimes it's just good fucking rock and roll and that's these four back to back to back to back are are exactly that lucan and not for you since i mentioned them that's that's what proceeds but lucan a little bitter a little angry it's it's probably the first lucan in a very very long time that i said shit i want three more minutes of this I don't usually say that for Lucan because I'm just like, okay, Lucan, and and then it is what it is. But like the way that they were kind of vibing on the song, the way that Ed was was shrieking, the way that the guitars, the tone of the guitars especially, it felt like they could have gone another minute or two and found a way to expand on it, and I would have been perfectly happy. And they they never will. But when, of course, of course not. It's going to be the exact opposite. They're going to find a way to make it shorter. So yeah, it's a little but, bit, little bit of an awkward start, but it it gets going very good. And and again, we get the the Lucan right into not for you. Like yes, it's a seamless transition. The the and and this isn't something that started in 2000. I believe it started in '95, kind of tailed into '96 a little bit, and then even showed its face in '98. But I think 2000 and getting the 2000 bootlegs, you start to to recognize that Lucan and Not For You back-to-back are a thing. And that's when, like, you can hear that kind of seamless drum transition and be like, all right, I know exactly what's coming. Or even in your mind, even up to now, when you go to shows and you hear Lucan, you're like, okay, am I waiting for it? Am I waiting for it? Am I waiting for it? And then when it comes, you're like, oh, that hits that sweet spot right there. Uh, not, for, not For You was, was, was another fantastic performance, I thought. Intense, uh, and yeah. Yes, very intense. And uh, going back to sort of the stuff that we talked about a couple minutes ago with the divorce, uh, the, the line that's very telling, and you know where Ed is in his life when when he uh, when he does that line and Not For You, it was usually, for a long, for the longest time, it was uh, Small My Table, uh, Seats Just Two, Me and Beth. Small My Table, Seats Just One. 
So that's how you know like where he is. Later on, things would obviously get happier in Ed's life, and you know, of course, the lyrics change to uh, "Small my table, seats all four. So you know that that it's such a it, it, it's cool that he brought it to the different eras, and you can see where he is in his life because of that one line. Yep, he's he's an open book on stage. He always wears his heart on sleeve. But yet you have he's still a freaking mystery. After you know. Hundred and so we're we're picking up on some of the keys. We're, we're sure, getting some, we're picking up on the hands. We figured out this Pearl Jam thing. Yeah, we got this locked in, and, and the day that that we end up coming close to meeting them, we'll be like, oh, we, we had we had no fucking clue. Yeah, yeah, we had no fucking clue. So, uh, not for you, angry, bitter. It uh, it's perfect for this section, and and then you close you close the main set. With something that doesn't usually close the main set, I wouldn't say it's the rarest thing in the world, but you do not expect this to be the last song before they go and take a little bit of a break. And that's Daughter. And uh, you get, you know, it, it, it ends with a bit of a surprise. I think the surprise is probably when people at the end of the song are like, whoa, is that is that it? And, and what the hell's next? But, like, I think the real surprise here is that I was kind of expecting like a, a real substantial it's okay tag with back and forth crowd perform because like daughter is probably the most important song of this tour of this whole entire year. Daughter is the one. Yeah. Yeah. Don't see that going back to Ross killed daughter was the song where unfortunately you don't want to think about that. But, and it kind of, it gives me kind of just chills, nightmares, just thinking about, holy fuck, that happened during Daughter. Like, you can't even fathom something like that going on. But then Daughter sort of turns into this just, you know, just therapeutic moment where the band can sort of, and, and, I, and I read something recently about It's Okay and how people equate those chords coming into feeling like a warm, a warm hug from an old friend and f- having that kind of familiarity. And I think that's, that's, that's very well on point. And that tag utilized within this whole entire tour is so important because we get that Jones beach version of Virginia beach version and versions kind of spread throughout and it's part of the healing process. And this we get androgynous mind, which is of course the same set of lyrics as it's okay without, you know, kind of this, the rhythm and all that, you know, it, it's saying, Hey, Hey, it's okay. Over and over again with, with other lines attached to it. But it, you know, you, you kind of feel like at one point they're going to break into It's Okay, and because they don't, I think that that's the surprise and a pleasant surprise at that because the way that it all transpires, a little bit dark in demeanor and kind of like a mantra a bit, it does this kind of hey call and response. I don't think it's meant to be a call and response, but it just kind of ends up happening that way. He plays into it, and then... It just all boils up. Hey-oh. 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 
bit of energy that was that was just sitting there that was that was bottled inside has now been officially released yeah the daughter to to end the set here is a very deliberate and a very interesting choice because yes obviously they're they're calling back to ross killed and it's like uh i think it's meant to be a tribute because you know he comes out right after the break which we'll get to in a second and talks about anthony and i think you 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 said you know it becomes like a like a mantra which is almost exactly what i wrote it's almost this is like a ceremonial version of daughter it almost gets kind of arc-ish where he's really and again back to the theme that we talked about earlier they're very introspective it's almost 10 minutes long and it's almost yeah it's almost like trance like and i think that was very deliberate and very much done on purpose i think he was really trying to channel or expunge some demons or get some stuff out or you know you know like the tribute thing you call it whatever you want but he was definitely you know feeling trying to make this a special like singular performance and a singular way to end this set yeah i think it's it's perfect there's that that moment at the very end when he just freaks out yeah and just starts like you know almost looks possessed yeah it's uh this is a this is a unique performance it's an important moment it is for sure an important moment from this show and uh it finishes the main set oh man we we went through a main set uh, like okay all right I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm getting back into this 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 whole podcasting thing now i'm starting to to remember my my cues and things so we'll I, see I guess... if it, we'll, we'll see how it goes we might have you back next week if it if it give it, if oh, the rest oh, of it can you give well. me a shot please i i i can edit i i, I can edit and and i have some boots can, can you send me the boots can you send me the boots i know you got the boots i know we got the boots all right all right all right somebody's got the boots but let's pause for station identification talk about patreon a little bit and uh I, we had some profiles that we did a little bit over the time that I was out and uh, we're going to be doing, uh, we have two, two more profiles that are in the can. I'm, I'm, I, I was trying to find time to edit throughout this whole thing. And it was just, it was just hard to just sit down and do everything, but they're coming more Patreon stuff will be coming. Uh, so hang tight, hang with us. And let's first, before we discuss other things, let's first thank Jennifer Kavari for joining Patreon. She is newest yeah, member thanks, of Jennifer. our bonus lag. So thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining up. Hopefully you're enjoying all the back catalog that we got. And uh, we, we figured out a couple weeks ago, we figured out a way to, for you guys to, uh, to find everything and get everything through the Apple feed. So if you're on Patreon, go into the posts and you'll see directions for how to get the RSS feed on the Apple podcast feed. So, so instead of going to the Patreon app, you can see 
the pop-ups come up when we post something new uh, audio-wise to Patreon. So that's a that's a great feature and uh, utilize it to, to, to the fullest extent. It's, it's going to hopefully get you into the full back catalog there too because it's very hard to go through Patreon's archives. That's exactly why we did it. But Jennifer can do it now. Hopefully you can do it too. It's patreon.com slash live on four legs or go to the Patreon app, search for live on four legs. Hey, we're there. And you can join one of the tiers, the bonus leg tier, the giggle leg tier, the horizon leg tier. And uh, look, they're up for anybody. I, I think the thing I want to highlight this week is sort of the idea that the giggle leg tier and up will get you an episode for your favorite show for any show that you really like. I think that's a huge part of why people join up to Patreon. They're like, ah, you guys have never done this show. You never done this show. This is your moment. Like I'm giving you this. And and that's, that's why we do that because all of the stuff that people request through the Patreon submission is just stuff that we wouldn't even think of or are thinking of and maybe have it on the back end and this kind of boosts it up to the front. So keep that in mind again, patreon.com slash live on four legs, but there's something important going on. So uh, in two weeks, we promised this about a month or two ago that we were going to do a big zoom party for everybody that, that joined on Patreon. And this is not just solely patrons. This is for everybody. Everybody's invited to this, but it's for a thank you for uh, having a hundred people join our Patreon, which is everybody's on right now and 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 things are great and and uh we thank everybody all those massive amount of people for joining that but what we're doing on august 26th that's the day before the anniversary the 30th anniversary of 10 the 25th anniversary of no code we are going to be doing a little zoom party that celebrates you guys that celebrates our newest venture into live on four legs.com the concertpedia page and we'll be debuting a couple of entries and years that we and the rest of our our crew that helped us out and helped us write we're going to be uh showcasing some of those some of those articles we're going to be showcasing a couple other things and talking about some of the events that we have going on for around see here now and we'll be doing a little bit of a charity run as well and we might have some live performances i i think having 10 and no code be the anniversaries there we're going to have some live performances of some of those songs so if you're if you're interested in that, if you're interested in all things live and four legs, and there'll be so many guests, and we'll have all the opportunities in the world to get to to kind of kind of say hi to everybody and talk to you guys, and and kind of put on this big spectacle, kind of like what we did at the Christmas party. If you were at the Christmas party, this is going to be just as great, maybe even better than the Christmas party. I don't know. The Christmas party was one of the best things that we ever accomplished, but uh, we'll we'll try to. We'll try to get it up to that level, but we are very excited to do this. Very excited to show you guys the website and, uh, and also hopefully very excited. And, and we, we sit here right now in sort of an uncertain kind of, uh, situation that, you know, COVID has kind of picked up again. And, uh, we're, we're sort of kind of in, in a little bit of purgatory here, trying to figure out where, and when and what for uh, Ohana see here now, and uh, if ultimately things are are gonna take a turn for the worse, and and we hope not. And all I have to say, and and yada yada yada, right? But all I have to say is, please, guys, just just do it, just do it, just get vaccinated. It's not hurting a damn soul. 
it's not hurting anybody. It is exactly the opposite. It is helping everybody. If you don't get vaccinated, then you're just being selfish to not just yourself, but to everybody else that decides to be selfish with you that decides not to get vaccinated. It just hurts and say what you want and, and believe what you want. But this, these are the facts here. Please do it because if you find out, if you want to come and hang out with us at see here now or hang out with some of the guys that are going to be going to Ohana that, that are part of this group. If they find out you're not vaccinated, we're just, we're just going to be like, sorry, we can't, we can't, can't do it. I, I'm not going to put my one month old, uh, uh, then we'll be two month old at any sort of risk. And going to a show like that is doing that. But uh, if I know that I'm going to be around unvaccinated people, I am not absolutely not going to have that camaraderie. So it, do it for Pearl Jam if you're doing it for anybody. And uh, if not, if you are vaccinated, then great. I hope I hope we get to see everybody and see here now. That's going to be a big thing that we talk about on August 26. Keep the date in mind. It's two weeks away. Send us an email live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. Get in touch with us on the social media pages. Private message me at my regular Facebook or Twitter page. I don't care. Or John, I, he doesn't care. Get in touch with us however you want just to be like, hey, I want to come to this party. I want to join you guys. That's what's important here. So hope to see you all there. John, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, just the, you know, the last two nights in Atlanta, two of my favorite bands have played Descendants and uh, Mountain Goats. And I deliberately missed both of those shows because I did not feel comfortable being there. And I do not want to have to miss out on Pearl Jam. So I, uh, I second what you said 100%. Yep. Uh, it's, you know, I, I think it's anything at this point. I don't, I don't want to miss out on having to go to the grocery store or Target to get formula because I don't feel comfortable being around the potential people that aren't wearing masks and what they might be hiding. So there you go. Let's get back into the rock because even though that's not the most important thing here, it is the focus here. And uh, Ed says, this isn't to placate you, but you are 10 times better than whoever was in this room last night. Why do Seattle shows have this difficulty of getting good crowds for both runs it, it's just and this wouldn't be the, the last time band. it's like oh we saw them in 90 at the off ramp we don't need right. to go see him again right or even this being the end of the tour is this a lot of people that have followed them through boise and vegas and mountain view and all those other places they played in 2000 and they're just like all right we got two more to get through and we know that tomorrow is going to be the show so save some energy. Is that, is there some of that there? Maybe. I think it might even be too. Like a lot of people that maybe went to the show weren't the ones who were following them. Maybe the people who went mm. to night one were more just the local crowd that was like, yeah, we'll catch that one. But then I think maybe they hadn't been following them around and hadn't right. been, you know, getting, letting the energy build up and everything. Yeah, there might be something to either one of those. So Ed says he doesn't mind upsetting anybody aside from Stone's parents who were rocking out because uh, he comes from a rocking family, wouldn't you believe it? Uh, and it made us all edgy today because we want the show to be as good as any that we had all year. And, and by golly, it might be the best out of 40 some odd that were fantastic, mostly all fantastic. This is probably number one or number two gun of the head. This or Vegas. So, uh, yeah, they, they did that. They accomplished it. Uh, but the next song and really the series of songs kind of uh, packaged together does make sense. But uh, the next one, especially Off He Goes, is dedicated to Anthony Hurley. 
Um, I, he doesn't really, he can't really get it out because it, it, it's tough to just say it, but you can tell what he's trying to say is he, he's, he says he's one of the people that were, was involved in specifically say Ross killed. But I, I think he said, uh, with all that we went through in Denmark. And so this is a song he liked. I didn't want it, want the song to be played without it being played specifically for him a very important moment and i think that i recognize that name i think he comes up in later shows his name and dedications to him and his family come up in later shows so that's 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 interesting yeah p is one of the ones you know that uh, everybody knows the story like they they became really close with those families Mm -hmm. and uh and kept in touch with them throughout all these years and probably to this day i would guess so yeah you you hear his name come back uh, a bunch of times we've we've definitely talked about it before and and yeah this off he goes is fantastic one of the best i've ever heard pouring pouring everything he's got into it right another vulnerable performance from ed soulful and yeah uh, what what can you say i think off he goes light years and parting ways are kind of almost packaged together as a mini tribute for the whole thing especially yeah you know light years and what light years stands for and the the meaning of the song and and the lyrics like if that's not it's so weird that that song was written before this tour before this year because what if they didn't have a song like this yeah it was it's needed and i mean you know light year is one of my favorite songs and it just goes to show this little section like light years is almost the third best out of these three <laughs> i would say because yeah this this parting ways is just amazing yeah all three of these are fantastic like there's there's no bad performance from the show but um i i especially loved light years uh mike and jeff are are, are trying to bounce energy off each other ed and stone are, are trying to bounce energy off each other and that like that brings the heart into the song i just thought that was such a key ingredient that kind of comes into play later in this encore a little bit that you'll see that again where everybody gets together a little bit um but you you can tell that like they were feeling a certain way and and uh they uh, it couldn't be a solo thing they needed to be with one another for for this and, and celebrate together and get through this together but um i think i think parting ways is the one out of this section though because Boy, we don't get this song very often. It's only been played 26 times, 15th out of 26 here. And it wasn't even until like later on this tour that they busted it out. They they played it once in Europe, I think in Sweden or somewhere. And they played it only once on, on the European tour. And then they would slowly in October start kind of spreading it out a bit and start playing it a little bit. And it's a low-key, great live song from By Darl. And then you add the added elements of to uh, a cellist and a, and a viola player. And uh, one of the, these uh, players is named Justine, and another is named April Cameron. And um, I thought to myself, well, that can't really be a coincidence, can it? And then later on in this show, you'll find out absolutely not. It is not a coincidence. That is Matt Cameron's wife, April. Yep. So and I think great Justine, Justine Foy, I think, played on the album as well. So that was kind oh, of Oh, cool. okay. Yeah. To get, to get her back. Yeah. Just a, a triumphant version of Parting Ways. You know, all the the pent-up, you know, emotion and the introspection, introspection from earlier just is just let out 
with a bang, like Ed throw, just throwing down at the end. It's really, really powerful. strums that he has on that just oh man so good the drums get really intense on on really great versions of this you can really feel matt you can feel just his pounding presence on it uh it just it's finishing out just another very introspective section and and uh look you can go back to parting ways being another that's connected to what's going on in ed's life Again, no speculation there, but you, you you can read through the words and you can read through some of it. But what's weird is that those lyrics were written in 1996, we know. So well, the lyrics, we don't know. That was, that was It was instrumental at the soundcheck. We don't know, oh, if, I, I we don't know that, about the lyrics. I thought that they were singing a little bit. I thought he was singing a little bit of something in that mm, sound check. I don't know that I'll it was I don't know that it was fully complete. I'll have to roll the videotape yeah. on that, but I I thought that there were some lyrical content to it, but I could be wrong. Again, just a wonderful section, a nice tribute and uh three songs that you pretty much can't go wrong with. And fans chant after that, why go home? that had not been played live in four or five years to that point, probably since Jack was in the band. I don't think Matt had played it and wouldn't play it until very, very late on the 2003 Ride Act tour when they were setting up uh, and getting things ready for Mansfield. Instead of why go, well, you get go and goes into once and you get the big power anthems are back into this to kind of get the crowd energized again because there are going to be some more emotional moments that are coming uh after this section a little bit so you know you're pouring the heart and soul out the fun uh the bridge that is kind of connecting the emotional moments is here and uh mccree soloing behind the back and my god i'm just watching and i'm like oh mccready's doing mccready stuff and out of fucking nowhere this might be McCready's best smash, man. This just shattered in two. Yeah. Just rearing back here's, and... Here's the thing about that. <laughs> what? It's a little lame to take the guitar that you're playing, throw it back to the roadie, 
get another guitar and smash that I guitar. I, I knew I knew he left for a second. I didn't realize it was another guitar. That yeah. is amazing. It smashed that is the, fucked. If you were really feeling it, if it was really spontaneous, smash the guitar that you're playing. <laughs> like, don't get another guitar that you have pre-ready to do you, smash. Do you think he said before the encore, like, I want to smash something? Maybe. Because are he just yeah, grabs the... Or, I mean, I, mean and I could be reading too much into it. It could be, like, he does just toss the, the one back. Like, I don't know what happened to that one, but it could just been the one that, that they gave him next. It was like, yeah, I'm not feeling this. Just smash the fuck out of it. But So maybe yeah, the guitar was, was rigged. Kind of like in, in, in professional wrestling with, with tables, how the tables hey, are rigged. You said, you said that, not me. I, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't want to play the devil's advocate thing here, but that was, that was a one-hit pinata smash there, man. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. You see, like, yeah, in, we'll never know. Yeah. In wrestling, when they have the folding tables and, uh, like, you can powerbomb somebody right onto them from the top rope, usually when you would do that and they're not rigged, the table won't break and they'll slip off and you can really fucking injure yourself. Oh, no. a little sus there. Could have gone back and got one that was, that was properly made for that moment. But, hmm. however, it made for a good visual. It was fun. Just smashed into smithereens. I uh, gave uh, the neck of the guitar to somebody in the crowd. Cool moment, you know. Yeah. Whether whether or not it was it was it was planned or 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 fake, uh, it, it's one of my favorite smashes that I I have seen. So very cool. Um, but once again, a pretty pretty solid run with, with these two. Energetic and uh, kind of getting a couple of stop gaps before getting to some of the more important moments. So we got three more that are in this encore that are all very notable to talk about here. First one being crazy. Mary 2000 was really the revival of the song and it made total sense that they would bust it out on the final night. And it maybe makes more sense in hindsight than it does in the moment, because in hindsight, we're like, Oh, if we're kind of saying that this is the end of the era and kind of tying this into what's all to come from the next stage of Pearl jam, then this is, and and it wasn't because they did this at Bridge in, in 2001. We talked about it on the Bridge School series episodes uh, that we did over on Patreon. Go subscribe. Uh, this is really the last time in front of their audience that they're playing Crazy Mary without the presence of Boone Gaspar. Right. And the, the solo is very different. Yes, it doesn't. There's no, obviously no duel. There's no extension, really. It, it, the, the stairway to heaven is implemented in there but it's almost like right after like Ed is kind of doing the rah, rah, and like he does it as he's doing that part so there's no there's not even a breath to take yeah. before kind of extending and it didn't really feel like much of an outro that that we know of now that like now is is a thing we, we are waiting for the duel to happen we are waiting for mike v boom but like this is just kind of okay mike play a little bit of this and then kind of find a way to end it somewhere in this and and that's after this the song would change much for the better but i think that even without boom it has its significant moments as well oh yeah cool moment for sure and like the crowd loves it this was one that was played way way back in 1993 with victoria williams and then uh there was the moment ed melbourne in 98 where ed kind of does the take a bottle drink it down pass it around and people are like oh my god crazy mary wouldn't that be great and then 
for most of 2000. They're like, all right, it, it's back, you guys. You wanted it, and now it's back. And that's the fan service that they cater to so often within the Pearl Jam realm. So Crazy Mary leads into Immortality. I think Immortality is another very unsung, very important Ooh. moment from this night. Think of the context of the song and in yeah. correlation to what's probably going through their heads here and some of the lyrical content and some of the idea that they mentioned earlier that we don't know if this is our the last one. What yeah. do you make of all this? Because yeah. I'm not sure what I make of all of it. Well, I think of it, too, as like, you know, the big moment is coming up next and you need something to build into that. You can't just have... You know, you can't just do something kind of off the cuff and then have that moment. It needs, it needs to build, and you need to, you need to, you know, heighten the moment, heighten the mood. And immortality does that. And the jam on this immortality, and it's almost like they're they're psyching themselves up for what's coming next, because like they, it it gets into that that moment where like. They're just they're just feeding off each other, and Cameron is just obliterating this this jam. Like this is one of the one of the best little breaks in mortality. Knowing what comes next, knowing that they were gonna try to pull this off, this adds just a little more tension to the end of the song. I think. Yeah, and when I think of what they did and the whole entire band surrounding and huddling up around Matt and playing towards him and kind of vibing off each other, we saw that a lot with Jack. And that yeah, was kind definitely. of said a lot about Jack, that Jack kind of brought the band together, made them whole, and and turned it around into what it became. And uh, there's a very important moment at the end of the show where Ed just singles him out and says we just want to thank Matt Cameron for everything and that right there is equivalent to the importance of what Jack meant to the band for its time obviously Matt has done so much more at this point um, that, that we're looking at it right now and, and Matt has been the, 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 the band's drummer for over 20 years uh, but like I think they know when they feel whole and they know who makes them whole. And this was the kind of moment where they recognize it and they show it. So I appreciate that. And I know that out of the three drummers, the three main drummers, Cameron's probably the one that people sort of put on the back burner a little bit because he is around and he has been around and he's not just around just in this fashion, but he's, uh, he was with Soundgarden too. But uh, like Matt's contributions to the band do not get the credit that they deserve.
like we talked about, they would not be here if it weren't for Matt Cameron. So yeah, absolutely. Yep. And now, uh, I think we, we get to the point of the show where it, uh, it's easily the most important point of this show. It's easily the most important point of this tour. It's arguably the most important point in this band's history. 48 shows went by and they had not played the one song that elevated them to fame because they didn't think that it would be appropriate. And in all honesty, it wasn't appropriate for the setting that they were in and the situation they were coming off of. Roskilde was a terrible tragedy. And to play a song that has such an uplifting chorus that celebrates life, whether it, it intends to or not, uh, that brings people together, that people can chant, and, and you know, there was no way that they can go through that whole entire year, sing that song, and, and feel like they have a good conscience doing it. I fully stand by their decision for not playing it the whole entire tour, and even more so, I fully stand by the decision for bringing it back on this night because they needed it. And of course, if you haven't figured it out already, that song is alive.
So that riff hits, and you have to be thinking, the people in that crowd are probably erupting. And the way that audience recordings go back then, you, you can hear people, but it wasn't, you know, it, it's not like how, how it is now. You don't get the full audience experience as, as much as you used to, uh, as much as you do now. Um, but you can, you can wonder here what was going through their heads, thinking a lot of people in that crowd thinking they're probably never going to play this song again. Oh yeah, there's here a, it is. there's a surge as soon as it starts. You can hear from it's not all it's not all the crowd because um you know some of the casual fans there they they might not know that they hadn't been playing it. Yeah. But there's a there's a surge from a from a certain percentage of this crowd that's like whoa, okay. And and you hear just and just like I said with with back going back to that Virginia Beach show where they just took the band on their shoulders and just uplifted them. Like, it's just that moment of like, yep, we're here. We're behind you. We're, we got your back on this one. And it's, it's not the greatest performance. Ed forgets some lyrics. There's some tentativeness. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a little awkward, but, but they got through it. And that's, that's kind of the, the theme of this next 10 years is like, this is the beginning of that. Like, yeah, they got through it and they, and they learned and they grew and, they they figured it out and they they did they did it the way they had to do it and and this is part of that we did the public release um and if you guys didn't catch that you you should because we don't uh, release a lot of the evolution episodes that we do for patreon to the main feed but this this is available we made it available a couple weeks ago because uh it's time to to bust some things out of the vault every now and again and we made the alive uh, episode available. We did that in about September of 2019, where we were still really trying to figure out what the evolution series was. And a lot of what we talked about with this version was just how awkward it was and how difficult it was jumping into the song. And I don't even think back then we, we really grasped the weight of what this meant and how it, how it changed, how it altered from this point on. And um, I think that, evolution episode especially is all about you know the big sort of thing that circles around it and the story the storyline that you can tell from it is all about the lifting of the curse and in my eyes this night and this performance from this night is the beginning of that all transpiring yeah it's um it it can't be understated how important of a performance this was just for them you know the five of them you could say you know for ed for the five of them for the fans like it's this is a, a touchstone moment 100 percent. well imagine after this year imagine this show goes off and we get immortality into porch because they don't play porch at the show and that ends your your second encore and that's okay that, that that's that's some pretty good stuff right there no complaints but no Nothing to go back to and be like, oh my God, this is life altering. Or maybe you take one right. of the other moments that happened from earlier in, in the show and say it's career or band altering, so to speak. If that doesn't happen, and I don't like putting hypotheticals on things because it's not hypotheticals are not reality, but let's just do this and entertain ourselves for a second. If that doesn't happen, then years and years go by 
where alive is just the elephant in the room that nobody wants to address where there will be fans that are half-hearted casual fans that don't know any better that don't know the history that might go up to ed and or stone or jeff or mike or matt or boom or even one of the tour managers it doesn't matter and i said i'm like hey you guys gonna play alive tonight like uh, when i heard alive for the first time that really got me into the band like that that stuff never goes away and it, it could have become really combative like there would have been yes. signs and they would have been like no like they've already absolutely dealt with not yeah they had dealt with that with with breath hard to imagine and and that's such a smaller scale oh yeah not trying to demean those songs but alive been, is been 10 times worse right and think about how bad it did get with leash yeah it got yeah. pretty bad like to the point where it became play leash you, you pussies like that's not necessarily something I think people would make signs for now. If, uh, you know, I don't really like using that term cause I just think it's kind of, kind of disgusting, but you know, I, I say it as kind of a, uh, a phrase and, and not me just saying it to say it, but you know, if, if a life becomes that, then I think there's turbulence. Then I think that this just, that song just becomes that and they can't just go into 2003 and just be like, all right, random show in, in Australia, it's back or, or here in Madison square, square garden. That's where we're going to bring it back for the, for the garden DVD or, or, or yeah. Mansfield or wherever. The, the like, curse would never work. have been lifted. It would not nope. be the bread and butter that it is today. That's right. That's absolutely right. And it is what it is today because of this version and this yep. version allowed it to be because now we can all enjoy it. We can all celebrate it. The big thing to take out of this that we did mention and talk about a lot in that evolution episode was the, uh, the line, is there something wrong? She said, well, of course there is. And that right there, I think it's almost definitive of the career of Pearl Jam. Is there something wrong? (laughs) Of course there is like, but we're still fucking alive. We're still fucking around, but we're we're finding a way to deal with it. This is how we're dealing with it by playing it, by, by seeing the reactions, by, you know, getting the energy, by feeling the, feeling it all. This is how we're surviving through. This is how we're getting, this is how, this is, this is how we're, this is how we alive becomes alive. Yeah. I mean, and think about for see here now in Ohana, like, yeah. What's it going to be like when they play this? Like, it's I heard gonna, you guys like, talk about that yeah. last week. Yeah, definitely. You're hundred percent right. How, how are they going to stop playing it? I, I like, I mean, they're going to be a hundred songs that I could hear for the first time. that would be like, Oh my God. Like they can, they can play the riff to Johnny guitar. I'd be like, Oh my, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, but alive to hear. And, and that's such a, a simple song that I've heard. All almost all 20 times every show that I've been to almost I I missed it maybe once because I I think they were mixing around the set they didn't play the the Wrigley uh, 2013 show I know that but think about just just because you you know it's coming you know you can kind of feel where it comes in but it still can catch you off guard that like just hearing that just kind of it, it brings that that shiver down your spine it brings that that goosebump moment and you need that 
with this band. That that's part of who the band is. That's part of their allure. That's part of getting that moment at the end of the show and feeling like you just, you know, it, I, I've said this before about a live being the celebration of the night and your key to tell you that everything is winding down and that you might have one or two more songs to celebrate with like a rocking in the free world or a yellow lead better, but alive is going to be the one that you got to go the hardest on. It's always been that way. Yep. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I can't say it much more. I, we, I, we post this on social media. We ask people what they thought the most important, uh, song performance in Pearl Jam history was. A lot of people said, uh, black from unplugged. A lot of people said porch from pink pop. And I think those have, their categories. I think that you can maybe call black the best performance, the best live performance. I think you can call porch the most eye catching live performance. I think a live from the show. Yeah. Showstopper. Sure. I think a live from the show is 100% the most important to the history of the band moment. In Pearl yeah, Jam. it's it's this or Crown of Thorns, I think from from Vegas. Like yeah, that's that's a very that's very close. One, one A and one B. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and they come within weeks of each other. So how amazing is that? Encore yeah. two, believe it or not. If you want more songs, we have them. <laughs> uh, they're going to finish the set all with ukulele and finish with heavy metal hits of the seventies. through it and uh, everybody everybody knew what it was yeah of course you know you got to go back a little bit but we did a an episode on uh the reading festival in 2006 and he did the same thing with the ukulele out there Mm -hmm. i thought that was a really cool little tie-in and that's probably not something that he was he was thinking about when he did that in reading but cool that that that's the one he would go back to when doing it but uh, said the next one's written with our neighbors in mind, and you could hear a woman scream out, Bill Gates, and he kind of does the nod. And he says, well, this is kind of Paul Allen. This is kind of about Paul Allen a little bit, and he kind of goes off about you know being annoyed about rich people. He talks about something about the Seahawks stadium and how that cost taxpayers billions and billions of dollars. And, um, you know, it, it just kind of there's no better feeling than to give. And... Yeah, this is part of what this night was also about that can come up in, in a song or two, but says this song is just to suggest that maybe these people to the richest people in the world could be to the happiest people in the world if they just decided to. And uh, that's where we get obviously soon forget. And um, you know, I, I sometimes soon forget could be that botched little performance where he forgets the stiffening kind of line or whistling, whatever, whatever line he forgets in there. But this was a flawless performance and actually like not, there was no joking. There was no, like it, it, it had some heart and soul. Like a lot of those other performances do. I, I, I enjoyed this little, little version here. Yeah, it was great. And again, you, you, you can't, you know, follow up alive. You have to, to do a one yeah. change like you can't keep that going for the whole rest of the show like you you can't come out and do like a black or 
a porch or something because it's just it's going to fall flat like it's not going to be able to live up to what that was so you almost have to come out and and completely you know switch things up and that that's a good call yeah right yep absolutely right and you know it, it's a it's it's a refresh and uh then the whole band can come out and then they can they can do something that they really haven't done in a very very long time or they don't really do much afterwards so ed kind of mentions that we had a frustrating period in the last couple of days dealing with the city every dollar that we made from this show goes to organizations within the city and some nationally almost five hundred thousand dollars other than that five hundred thousand dollars that they raised there and then you think about the eight million that they raised in Safeco, think about like yep. just how how much that's grown. Like that that's incredible. Uh, you know, just all all power to them for for sticking with their causes and staying what's true to their hearts. Like that that's so important. That's that's another allure to why uh, why the why this band in at least a lot of people's eyes are are so just fascinating. Uh, but you know, kind of talks about like post uh, World Trade Organization protests. And says uh, they might be overcompensating with security. If everybody left the the arena, there would be 230 people there in yellow shirts, and that's usually six thousand dollars for security that the city demands. And it's insulting because after Ross killed, the last thing we're going to do is open ourselves up to an unsafe situation. When will music get some respect from in this fucking town? Let the kids have an outlet. Let the he talks about something about dance, uh, something about let the teens dance in dance um, ordinance. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, says this crowd has been very well behaved. Let's give them some responsibility, be able to prove themselves, handle themselves better than people at Seahawks games. Uh, $25,000 more than it costs for security that they couldn't give to the organizations uh, within the city and, and uh, some nationally that they were they were going to donate to. So they just needed to air that out, ask the city for, from, for some respect, and uh, give the kids some respect because the kids are all right. I don't mind all the guys dancing with my girl. This is my favorite performance from the show. Yeah. I absolutely love this. Um, and it's full band. A lot of times when he does it, he does it solo. Sure. And I remember that I, even from getting the CDs and like listening to it, like, yeah, this is, it's so fun. I love it so much. They're just, Ed's just having the time of his life. He, he gets to, you know, you get two Who songs back to back here. He's, He's living his best life, as the kids say. And, yeah, this is just a triumphant, fun, you know, cathartic performance of the song. I think it's fantastic. 
Yeah, everything after a live definitely seems a lot loose, looser, and just kind of the feeling of celebration, you know, really putting together the, the go-home part of the rest of the show. And uh, yeah, the two songs back-to-back brings brings that energy to it for sure. Uh, the Kids Are Alright is just such a lighthearted, fun song. And, so and you have to You have to be thinking, one of the things that I think when I think of their version specifically of Kids Are Alright... There's a chord or two that, that that's in there. That dun, 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 dun. You notice that, right? Yeah. Somewhere in the middle. That kind of sounds like that Better Man, like that transition to kind of like the outro of the song. Yeah, a little bit. All I'm thinking about could is be, just... Could be subconscious, yeah. Better, better Man, written back in the bad radio days, what some of his his most uh, like inspirational artist that, that like he was kind of trying to emulate back then the who probably number one. I don't, oh, I don't know absolutely. if that's a mistake. I, like, I think that that's either purposeful or it's just mental memory that playing the kids are all right. So many times he, you know, went back to that chord to add that in there. Maybe. Yeah. So, just yeah. something that, I know we, we covered that a couple of times on the bridge school shows and I had forgotten to mention that point, but it, it does, it did no pun intended strike a chord with me. So of course, Baba, the who combo. Great. Closing to your night. Ed's got some tambourines. I don't really know the full history of tambourines. I don't know at this point, if it's acknowledged, if tambourines and handing them out to the crowd are, are is a thing. I think maybe that's something that does get figured out after the show. It feels like more of a 2003 kind of celebratory yeah. tour kind of, kind of, um, kind of the, moment there. The, the tambourine thing just never really got into me. Like you're, it's not like he used it for the whole show and you're getting, you, they have these, oh, like they yeah. have a thousand of them and he touched it for three seconds and then threw it to you. Like I, I don't get the whole tambourine thing. Like, yeah, whatever. That, that's like when you get an autographed baseball card, but yet it's like printed autograph. Yeah, it's like stamped. Yeah. Yeah, right. It, it, it's it's nice to have. It's a nice little collector's item, but, uh, you know, souvenirs are great. I, I would never I would never reject one. I yeah, but I've, I've way, never but like I would never put my like, oh, my God, right. throw one to me. Like, yeah, right. I'd rather have a set list. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I've got guitar picks, set lists, wristbands, tickets. That's for sure. stuff means more. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, you know, Baba doesn't have like Baba doesn't necessarily have like it's like you know um, big big full crowd moments. When I think of like when they did it at MSG in '98, where you can see the lights on the crowd and everybody sing along. It doesn't have that necessarily. I don't think it needed to. I think it just you know. I, I think it was just part of it. I think it was just. They do take part it of, at the end. You get a little bit, but a little bit, but it yeah. didn't. It it wasn't like a full stadium experience kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it needed to be because a, a live is so overwhelming. You, you you do need to kind of go out on a little bit of a, a lighthearted, easier easier route here, and and uh, I think it was totally fine. Totally fine to get it. Never gonna complain about the best the best who song on the planet uh to to be implemented in a show but that's where we kind of get to the end here one last time to to say goodbye to everybody thanks anthony and flea 
and and the crew from the Chili Peppers from coming up to LA, uh, coming for, coming up from LA to letting it all hang out with us tonight. I wonder if that's a that's a pun or not. Uh, and tremendous act of kindness on their part. And this is the point where they uh, thank Matt Cameron uh, as a full band, letting for for playing with us on the last round of everything. Again, he's like so new to this, and it's two to three years in where he's with the band, and the band just feels like he's a and added bonus to all this. Like he's just kind of a guardian angel in a, in a way that he's again, the same way that Jack was, he's sort of the savior of the band at this point that where, where the hell would they be without him? And, and, uh, the crowd gives him a state standing ovation. He ends up thanking, uh, Ben, Kim and Chris all Soundgarden and April who he mentioned, uh, that he showed earlier, uh, that, that played cello or it was a fight viola. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure which one it was, but April we saw earlier, and uh, thank thank them for for thinking it was a great idea for for him to join the band. Mentions that Wellwater conspiracy opened the show. It says, "See you in the voting booth tomorrow. If you don't vote tomorrow, let them put it on your fucking gravestone." That's right. Gee, that's that's twenty one years later, and that election still looms very, 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 very large. The next day after this show was the 2000 election, and we all know what happened, so don't really need revisionist history on that. That's been in enough Pearl Jam podcasts as, as it is. You want you want that? You can you can go back to the Nassau Coliseum episode that we did, and you'll get enough of that. Uh, but it says, have a lovely life. We'll try to do the same. Very gracious for the people here. That's, you know, Ledbetter. Little wing at the end. It was just very yeah. relaxed. And yep. uh, bookend and the, the bookend the release yellow led better bookend that's classic. It's such a, a peaceful close to what could have been such a nightmare chapter for them, and I think they did all that was in their power to not turn it into a nightmare to to get through it and to get through it peacefully and to get through it with the help of friends and the help of the crowd and family members. I think that was so important to them, but. Um, yeah, it's just it's just some closure, closure on this night. That's I think that I don't know if they were intending on it, but maybe they were deep down inside hoping for it. But I think they all probably went backstage and all gave each other a huge hug and said thank you for sticking by me. Because if they didn't, I'd be very sh- surprised. That's that's and where they, we are. And here. then they they got to go home. They got to go and home. Before. Why? Why go home? And stayed there for a long time. That's right. That's right. It took some time to see what the world was like. The world had changed a whole hell of a lot between the time that they would you would see them the next time. So, yeah. But obviously that's for another podcast. Which, hey, we have hundreds in this archive. We've probably talked about that a hundred times before. We so. did. We did the very next show that they did after this. The that's school. right. The Bridge School Show, which you can find on our, our Patreon feed uh, that we did the whole Bridge School series that we're finished with, by the way. Yep. All right. How the hell do we do this? Three moments that, like, if you want to make them your personal favorites, make them your personal favorites. I'm going to try to find a spectrum of importance within the choices of the songs and the performances of the songs, but you can feel free to do whatever your heart desires. With yeah. This. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Cause you know, uh, I'll give an honorable mention to release to rearview mirror to nothing as it seems to in hiding the man trilogy. You know, we talked about how Jeremy was so important. Um, 
off he goes, immortality, kids are all right. I said that was my favorite performance from the song. But my top three is going to be uh, Parting Ways, number three, uh, Daughter, number two, and Alive, number one. Yeah. I, um, you know, it, it's kind of in a way you don't want to put alive in a top three. It, it's kind of the same way that like Michael Jordan doesn't get to be an NBA jam cause he's too good for it. Um, but it, it's yeah. Alive is number one. There's this, there's no, this is what, when you think of this show, this is the moment that you think about. And, uh, almost to the point where, it's the only thing that does matter and as it should, but there are so many other things that do matter from this. I think my, my two and my three, I'm with you on daughter. I think daughter is incredibly important from this. And I think it's just part of the, the, the release, the cathartic, you know, uh, just release of the tension that there, that was lingering in the main set and it all allowed for the rest of the show to, 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 you know, go the way that it did. And I think he needed that. I think you needed to see Ed have his moment of breakout. And, uh, it, it was a magical one. Um, but I want, I want to throw in the man trilogy. I really, especially the performances of better man and, and nothing, man. I really, really adored both. Um, nothing, man, just best, best example of, of Ed, and his vulnerability at this show and being his true self and showing people how he was feeling and, and exerting it I, and better man doing the same. Uh, there were a lot of moments for that, for this show. Uh, I think those two are the ones that stick out to me, but I'm not going to leave leather man behind because we, we don't no no man left behind. So the man trilogy is, is, Let's let's say Man Trilogy is number three and Daughter's number two and, and Alive is number one. That's how I'll go for this. And uh, I, I think a rating is probably not very difficult for this show. However, let's uh, let's try and, and quantify how we're going to make this decision. Um, it's it's a ten out of ten. It has to be. Of course, I mean, it is. This is this is one of one of the most important shows in their career, and yeah. It, there, there are not many that that surpass this one as far as importance. Yeah, uh, and and look, it's 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 not just important, but it's it's a damn good show too. Like you just oh, yeah. you feel the whole thing. And I don't know if this is a, sh- a show that there's some shows where you're just like, all right, I want to listen to Pearl Jam and I want to feel like the best of uh, just kind of like fun performances. And you don't go to the show for that. You go to the show to to kind of to kind of get a glimpse of a memory to kind of take a piece of history with you and to kind of learn something i think it's it's one of those things sometimes you you watch movies and you can watch a movie a hundred times and see something for the first time that you've never seen before i I think this show has that i've listened to the show dozens and dozens of times in my life and um I, i i think that the next time I do listen to it, I'm going to be like, damn it. I don't think I brought this up in the podcast, but I certainly grabbed this from, from, from listening to this now. And, uh, when, when you have something like that, you know, it's special and, uh, special for so many different reasons. But, uh, I mean, uh, getting alive for the first time since the tragedy and what it would become and how it would 
change the course of the band and the direction of the band going forward and, and thinking about 2003 and how even with Bush and even with the shit that was going on in Nassau Coliseum and Denver and places like that, even with that stuff, 2003 was a fun tour. They were, they were a different band that year. And yeah, that's, uh, that doesn't happen without this show. So great. It's end of an era for a reason. And, uh, that closes the chapter on this one. First out of the five murderers row shows that you're going to get in the month of August and a little bit into September here. How about that? Should we, uh, should we kind of, cause I feel like, you know, for people that aren't on social media that didn't get the memo on this, I don't want to hold them back and, and say like, well, you're just going to have to keep tuning in to, to find out which ones are which week. I think we should, we should continue to promote this to commit and continue to, to really punch this in the gut here. What we're doing the next couple of weeks. What do you think? We haven't, we haven't really done that before. We haven't really like given no. like a sneak peek of this far ahead before. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. When, when, when I thought, and this was really just today when I, when I looked at it, I'm like, Whoa, this is our next couple of weeks. Like, and and thinking like how am i going to be busy and and you know putting my focus on editing and and uh and childcare and and things like that and how i'm going to balance all that cuz i haven't really done that before and i'm like these are this is not the best week to start we did not go in easy for this so but i think this is our most important month since Wrigley month and having all those shows come in the you know in the way that they did and, and come all together and packaged together and yeah maybe maybe these shows together aren't necessarily uh make sense but they're all like elite level shows like they're together and, and maybe we'll do like some kind of after rating for all these to see out of like 50 because the oh well actually there's six not five there's six uh, so out of 60, we'll see like what the grand total ranking is for all okay. six of these shows. That'd be very interesting. I think it's going to be somewhere in the fifties. It would have to be. We'll see. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Next week, Boston, 2010, a great show from the backspacer era, an era that we kind of stay away from because it just doesn't really hit as well as it did. Like we're kind of, we're a couple albums past that, but this is a show that, from that era that 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 you can look back to now and and it, it still it still works you know there's a lot of there's a lot of great gems in that one and songs that we haven't talked about in a long time for from stuff from backspacer to stuff from lost dogs to stuff from all over the place that we rarely talk about there's a lot going on in that show and it's a, just a fun one too so boston 2010 will be next week i believe that is a patreon request then the week after that, oh boy, what is the week after that? That would be the day of August 25th. What comes after August 25th? Well, August 26th would be our Zoom uh, event that we're throwing that celebrates liveonfourlegs.com uh, reveal. And we'll do some celebration for 10, the 30th anniversary of 10, and the 25th anniversary of No Code. That's not a there's no knock on no code in all this. Of course, no code will get its due in September. I promise you that. But on the 25th of August will be the Tenadelphia show where they played 10 in full front to back in Philadelphia in 2016. 
And not just that, but two days later on the old Patreon account, if you are subscribed, you will get the Munich Germany show where they played 10 front to back from 1992. That's pretty cool. Not very often I've, I've went back to that show, but boy, that's uh, that's that's one of a kind right there. That came in in an era where they were not unplugged hadn't even been recorded yet. So we'll have a lot to talk about there. Uh, be kind of cool to see the sort of the, the, the comparisons between the two, but then you have the next two weeks, the first of September and the eighth of September eighth happens to be my 35th birthday. So a little bit of a birthday present to me, we're going to be doing for those two weeks, PJ 20, both nights, Night one will be the first week and night two will be the second week. And we'll try to, if there is other stories to tell, we're going to try to put together some kind of forum where people can talk about their stories because this is one kind of like Wrigley and kind of like, you know, some of the other shows where there really is a big Pearl Jam gathering where everybody has a story to tell. So we're going to try to get everybody in on this to, to tell their their story from being there and uh you know i i have more than one story that i i I need to get off my chest from from those nights so i don't know if i can get them all out in just a regular show so we will have something that we'll probably do over zoom or or something else and and we're going to try to put together some special guests for it but we will announce that at, at a later date once once the time comes uh but that that's our murderer's row month what do you say yeah, that is something. Yeah. Uh, we didn't make it easy. We didn't make it easy, but we made it sure as hell a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good one, especially, you know, a lot of people have been asking for those PJ20 shows, so of course it's going to be it's going to be big. It's going to be fun to to go back to those. Yeah, I I I'm always of the mindset of the, you you just got to it's worth waiting for to to put in the right time period because, you know, by at that week that we do night one, that'll be the anniversary week, 10 years since PJ 20 yeah. for a lot of people that that's, you know, that's important. 10 years is a milestone there. So it's important to bring those to the table when people have the strongest memories of them. So that's, uh, that's where we stand on that. Um, but man, we're, uh, I think we're out of time here. I think we've, we've done everything we could. And I want to go listen to those shows now. Yeah. I, I mean, we got a lot of great stuff to listen to and we'll, uh, we'll definitely, I mean, it's going to be fun. So keep tuned to this show because there's a lot more where all this came from. If you like this, then Jesus, go subscribe, to Patreon, subscribe, follow, click the arrow thing, do whatever. Yeah. Do. Uh, comment on, uh, leave a comment, rate us five stars on Apple podcast. That always helps. Uh, every, anything helps sharing on social media that helps a lot too so we thank everybody for listening John what the hell happens now I can't remember I feel like you've done such a good job at ending shows have I I feel like yeah, I always say like by this point I'm tuned out I'm, I was being I'm facetious yeah yeah <laughs> I uh, yeah there, you have a whole thing and I can never remember I always Meant to like, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to go back and listen and I'm going to write it down. And I never did. Right. And I, I, I always lost it. Well, it's time to follow the bouncing ball because here it is. Ready? This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. 
I miss you always. Thanks, everybody. This was a fun one to come back to. And uh, now back for the long haul here and can't wait for this monster month. And to be honest with you, September's pretty big, too. So whew, a lot more coming down the pipe. We will see you next week for Boston. Kids are all right.